Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. From the blackest corners of your mind. They call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome. Our flash fiction contest is now in full swing, and we've had some deliciously dark entries trickle in already. With the metamorphosis of winter into spring less than a month away now, it's the perfect time to explore our theme of changing seasons. So, unleash your feral imagination and test the limits of what monstrosities it can dream up. Our Flash Fiction Contest runs now until April 1st. But don't be fooled. Time is a slippery serpent and has a funny way of slithering away before you know it. 
TalesToTerrify.com slash Flash Contest is where you can find more details about the contest, as well as a link to submit your tale. We've got a hungry horde of slush readers just waiting to get their claws on your tail, so best not keep them waiting. I also wanted to give you the heads up that we've got something special in store for you throughout the month of March. Starting next week, our very own fiction editor, Meredith Morgenstern, will be hosting a special segment to celebrate Women in Horror Month. Together with a host of stories by female-identifying authors, we'll be taking a deep, dark dive into the tremendous impact women have had on the evolution of the horror genre. You won't want to miss it. But tonight, we've got a handful of other horrors to send your way. Let's get to it. Our first story for the evening comes from Keith LaFontaine. Keith LaFontaine is a horror writer from Vermont. Other work, including upcoming stories, can be found on his website, keithlafontaine.com, or on Twitter at KL underscore writing. Children of the Night, join me for Keith LaFontaine's Drink, a Tales to Terrify original. Day one. I scratch at the patch of hair that no longer exists, where they shaved down to my bare scalp and inserted the chip. A relatively painless process, thanks to the healthy cocktail of drugs they inserted into my IV. As I stare down at my pouting stomach and the breasts of fat that have swollen on my chest, I wonder if this will finally work. No more Atkins, no more fasting, no more miracle pills and magical berries grown in South America. This, the app to end all apps, the chip designed to remind me when to drink water and when to exercise, will do the job. I just know it. Day 2 I wake up at 6.30 to a throbbing headache. It's the kind that feels like miners attempting to fulfill their manifest destiny. Before it can get worse, I reach over to the glass of water on my nightstand and guzzle it. All twelve ounces, glug, 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 down the hatch. The headache abates, only slightly, and when I check the app on my phone, I noticed that it wants me to do 35 jumping jacks. Dutifully, I crawl out of bed and begin jumping. One, two, three, hoping my neighbor downstairs is either still asleep or doesn't mind the thudding and creaking I'm producing on the floor. 
his ceiling. He's a nice guy, Bruce. An accountant, I think. I went downstairs once to borrow a corkscrew. After I finish, there's a heat in my hair. Not quite sweat, but the precursor to it. The headache slithers away, and I crawl back into bed for another hour of shut-eye. Day 3 Exploring the app brings me a sort of pleasure. There are recipes listed which are supposed to be healthier than the TV dinners and junk food I've been cramming in my face for the past 20 years. 30 minutes after scrolling, I feel the headache. Thankfully, my water bottle is nearby, and I suck down a healthy amount of it. The fluid washes down my chest and splashes in my gut. I can feel it the whole way down. The headache recedes, and the app flashes in bright red letters. Do 25 jumping jacks. I do, my feet thumping on the ground. I weighed myself in the morning and saw I'd lost an astonishing two pounds. Okay, maybe not astonishing, but... As someone who has constantly rotated the cycle of gaining and losing the same 5 pounds for about 12 years, I'll take any sort of progress I can muster. My stomach burbles when I finish my jumping jacks, and I realize that burble is nausea. I stuff it back down. Exercise after drinking water is a strange notion, but I trust the process. Because I need to. Because if this doesn't work, what will? Day 4 Thump. 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 Sorry, Bruce. I'm up to 55 jumping jacks and 4 glasses of water a morning. The weight isn't exactly falling off, but it's not staying on either. When I finish, my vision spins and the nausea returns. For a moment, I am confident that I am about to spew all the water I drank out on the floor, so I half stumble, half lurch toward the bathroom. Only when I get there, everything stays down. Thank God. A spike drives into the center of my brain and I reach a hand up toward the bald patch of flesh. It takes only a passing glance at the app once I return to the bedroom to see what the issue is. It's telling me to drink another three glasses of water. Day 5 I stand over the stove, stirring some recipe that's chicken and rice. The recipe explicitly stated not to season it, and I begrudgingly assented. What is chicken without seasoning, though? Why does food need to taste like discarded cardboard in order for me to be healthy? As I stir and stir, a pounding, raging, cacophonous headache wraps at my brain. My vision pinholes. That's how bad it is. My wooden spoon is still in the pan, and when I fall to the floor, 
it clatters to the stovetop. I hope to God it is not near the burner. Horrible way to start a fire. With gritted teeth, I pull my phone from my pocket. Do 65 jumping jacks, it declares. Drink 22 glasses of water. I suck in a deep breath, pinch my eyes against another wave of pain, and push my body into a standing position. The water has to come first. I grab a glass beside the sink, fill it, drink it. The first five glasses are easy. I must have been thirsty. Behind me, the food starts to pop and fizzle. That urges me to move faster. I don't want my plain chicken and rice to burn. Although, maybe it would add some damn flavor to it. The next five glasses aren't too bad. Harder. They feel like shoving a pile of clothes into a hamper that's already half full. But I press on. No pain, no gain. My stomach protests and I belch. A wash of vomit crawls up my throat, but I push it back down. I still have too many glasses to go. I can't quit now. The next 12 glasses are agony. I suck them down as best as I can, but when I approach glass 20, the headache attacks me. Knives stab at my brain, and the chicken starts to smoke. I decide to stir it, just to avoid setting off the smoke alarm. But as I do, the chip in my head revolts. I have to see this through. I'll laugh about it later. Finally, the last glass is down my throat. My hunger has dissipated. The jumping jacks are next. One, two, three. The vomit spews forth, but I can't stop. Tears slip down my cheeks as I hit 20, 25, 30. My food burns and smoke gathers above the stove. 40, 45, 50. My brain screams. I cry harder as the pain in my head intensifies. The smoke alarm begins to wail, and the endless bree, bree, bree adds to the vice grip wrapped around the gray matter in my skull. I hit 65 and collapse, sweat drenching my body. I burp, vomit, and crawl to the bathroom, covered in filth so I can expel the rest of it. Day six. My muscles cramp. I lay in bed, spent. My head shrieks. On the stove, sitting in the pan like 
ancient ruins are the blackened husks of rice and chicken. What was once supposed to be my dinner. The chip burns white hot in my head. Is this a malfunction? I wish I could call customer service to ask, but they're closed for the weekend. And anyway, I don't think I can speak. Even if I wanted to. Even if my life depended on it. The app is screaming at me. I muster the wherewithal to look at my phone screen. Drink 32 glasses of water, it declares. Do 427 jumping jacks. It's a joke. A sick joke. I roll my bloated body out of the bed. The water, it comes first. It always comes first. I stumble out to the kitchen, and when I get there, I grasp the glass beside the faucet. The first five are easy. They're always easy. And the next five, I handle. But when I reach glass 16, my eyes roll into the back of my head, and I fall backward. The back of my skull cracks against the stove, and darkness whirls in my vision. Is this the end? It's possible. I've read about water intoxication. But at the very least, my head won't hurt anymore. That was Keith LaFontaine's Drink, as read by Austin Stern. Austin Stern is a content creator, narrator, and musician from southern New Mexico, with a small YouTube channel and podcast of his own, called Eerie. Lover of cats, coffee, and all things creepy, he is honored to be here to read for you all. Thank you, Austin. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Our second tale tonight comes from Taylor Ray. Taylor Ray lives in the mountains of North Idaho where she writes, goes on night walks with her giant dog, and imagines shadow creatures in the dark. Listen with me, children of the night, to Taylor Ray's Called to the Light, originally published on the Writing Prompts subreddit in 2018. Deep in the woods sat a cabin, glowing like a candle in the darkness. The wind clutched at it, rattled the windows as if begging to come inside. But the windows stayed shut, and the house did not fall. Inside, the girl and her father sat up late, reading books. Every longing sigh of the wind drew the girl's eyes once more to the windows to the shapes she imagined pacing out there beyond the safe halo of light. But she could see only the drawn curtain. If she moved it, there would be only her own reflection pooling back at her, unless she was brave enough to put her nose right to the glass and squint out. Her father told her stories about the things out there. She did not need to see them, to believe them. She knew them by their three-clawed prints that circled their home like a moat every morning, by the gouges bored into the hide of her father's woodshed, deeper than any bear's mark. He caught her staring. What have I always told you, darling? She stared mutely at the book until he answered for her. When the lights are on, we're safe. Her father gestured to the unflinching pupil of the light above, his smile easy and light. As you can see, he said, we're safe. She hid her face in his arm. She had lived eight years under the watchful guard of sunlight and filament. Darkness was nothingness. Darkness was death. So when she woke that night to a pitch-black room, the girl began to shriek. A hand stifled her, her father's hand. His other gripped her wrist tightly, as if he was trying to tell her something through his very bones. I'm going to go try the generator. But, she said into his fingertips, 
He shook his head. It should have turned on, and it didn't. The wind rattled at the roof like an angry god. Someone has to go check it, he whispered gently. Then he moved away, taking all the warmth and the girl's fleeting calm with him. She bolted upright in bed, unsure if she should flee or hide. Surely they know we're in here, she wanted to ask, but she could not give the life to the possibility by saying it aloud. Her father tossed a bundle at her. Get dressed. Be silent. I love you. He looked once over his shoulder at the flashlight beside the door. He handed it to her. If they come inside, use this. And then he opened the door. Blackness opening into blackness, broken only by a scattering of stars. Night quiet as perfect and unbroken as new snow. Her father looked back at her as he let the door shut behind him. The girl shoved her fist into her mouth to keep from sobbing. She had never seen a night so complete. Without the light, there was nothing to keep the monsters away. She scrambled to her feet. As soundlessly as she could, she wiggled into her two warmest leggings and threw on her largest pair of jeans over it. Sweaters, snow pants, socks thick as her pinky. The mittens her father knitted for her that summer, while she watched his needles click and the butterflies flitter and... and a crunching out there beyond the door, a scuffle in the snow. The girl jammed her feet into her boots. She told herself it was her father. Had to be only her father, panicked, in the dark. A howl shattered the night like dropped glass. A great bellow from beyond the pines, deep as the earth and older still. Another joined it, and another. Their calls were urgent and coming closer. The girl threw herself down instantly, unthinkingly, as if trying to make herself invisible. And she froze there, rabbit in a burrow, listening, stilling her very heart. And then the creatures in the darkness went silent. There was only the cry of the wind, and faintly beneath it, the whine of the generator as her father struggled to make it go. The girl crawled on elbows and knees to the windows. The heavy plaid curtains were lashed together. She raised a shuddering hand to untie them, scooted the corner back just far enough to peer around the corner. A pair of yellow eyes in a sea of matted black fur stared back at her, widened in delight when they met hers. Its head was something between a wolf and a bear, but its eyes watched her knowingly, cleverly, as if it were waiting for her to look out and notice it. She tumbled back, shrieking. The lights flared back to life overhead, and outside her father started screaming. The girl did not think. She ran to the bed and seized her father's huge emergency flashlight. 
stumbled into night for the first time in her life. A horde of black-coated creatures swarmed her father's shed. Their teeth caught and gleamed in the light of the moon. One had her father by the leg. The outside lights were still dead. She fumbled with the flashlight, wrenched off a mitten, and flicked it on, swung the beam toward the writhing mass of shapes. Smoke rose off their skin. They scattered, screaming and hissing off her father, like water dropped in hot oil. He lay limp in the light, the snow around him a damp, churned scarlet. The night creatures circled him like lions. One nipped at the toe of his boot. The girl flicked the light toward it, and the creature scrambled backward. Panning the light in front of her, the girl stepped into her father's footsteps toward the pack of nightmares that watched, snarling and spitting from the shadows. As she grew closer, she could smell only rot and clay and fur. They growled and bared their teeth, but the creatures did not dare venture into her light. They did not stop her from touching her father's hand. It was wet and cold. She could not look at him. She had to keep turning the light, had to watch the monsters that tried to pad noiselessly behind her. Dad, she whispered, you have to get up. For a long, terrible moment, her father did not move. One of the creatures near her let out a strange low rumble, as if laughing at her trying to drag her father's corpse up out of the snow. But then he drew himself up on his elbows, his breath a ragged, wet, tearing sound. One of the beasts lunged for his throat. The girl chased it away with the light and screamed at it with everything she had. Her father rose. The night creatures drooled and snapped at his heels, but they did not touch him. Together, father and daughter limped back into the house. And all the while, the girl never let her light waver. That was Taylor Ray's Called to the Light, as read by Maureen McLean. Maureen McLean is an Austin musician, plucking the bass with acoustic bands, the Therapy Sisters, and a proper cup of coffee. She earns her keep in the courtroom, interpreting real-life terrifying tales from Spanish to English. Thank you, Maureen. Our final tale this evening comes to us from T.L. Beading. T.L. Beading was born and raised in Sacramento, California. She is co-editor of Crow's Feet Journal and Paramore, Inc., and is a featured author for Black Ink Fiction. She has also written for October Hill Magazine, Vanishing Point Magazine, and The Black Fork Review, among other literary publications. 
When she's not writing, T.L. enjoys seeking misadventures with her daughter, two cats, and boyfriend at their home in the Hudson Valley. She can be found on Twitter at TLBeading. Children of the Night, join me for T.L. Beading's Feral, a Tales to Terrify original. One of the calves was missing from the herd. I assumed she'd just strayed too far from the others, lost out there in the pasture by her lonesome. The herd had grazed pretty far from the barn that day, gathering by the perimeter fence separating the field from the woods beyond. But her mother wasn't acting right. She brayed and gnashed, kept turning back to the field, eyes darting in panic. I searched as far as I could see along the crest of the hill, swallowing down dread. It wouldn't have been the first time one of the girls had been jumped by something out there, a coyote lurking in those woods, one that liked to pick at my cattle when opportunity struck. I'd caught it a few times, slinking between the trees with a strip of bloody hide in its jowls, but it had never been successful in its hunting and I hoped it wasn't now. By the time I got the rest of the cattle penned, night was beginning to fall. Arming myself with a flashlight and a rifle, I struck out across the field and scanned for any signs of where the calf might have gone. Searching for tracks, manure, anything. I called out for her, sweeping my light across the grass. Well, there was nothing, only a gentle breeze that shivered through the cornstalks, rustling trees in the woods across the way. I shined my light that direction the closer I got, but it never seemed to penetrate the shadow. It was dark and thick, an inky blot against the rapidly dimming horizon. At the perimeter fence, my flashlight revealed a hole in the chain links apart and chewed off in jagged points, stained crimson with blood. It was too big a hole to be the wily coyote. It had to have been something larger. A bear, maybe? I aimed my beam of light into the trees across the road, finding a slick, red stain smearing the asphalt leading into the woods. A gruesome path inviting me to follow. My gut churned. Now that the bear, or whatever it was, had a taste of cattle, it would surely be back for more. I could have left it alone, reported it to the sheriff, but the tracks looked fresh. The creature couldn't be too far ahead. 
The trail wound between ancient gnarled trunks, growing clotted the further in it led, rather than fading away in the dirt. It streaked the deep drag lines gouged into the earth, unfettered stench attracting biting insects that hoped for more. Along the way, there began to be more than just blood. Tufts of black and white fur speckled thorny twigs jutting from the brush. Bile rose in my throat as I followed the tracks to the edge of a clearing, where I found the underbrush torn from the ground in the narrow space between two trees. Bloody chunks of flesh stuck to the jagged roots and bark on either side, still warm, still dripping. A rustle beyond the brush stopped my heart. I dropped the flashlight, hoisting the rifle in trembling hands toward the clearing. Jaundiced light shone in patchwork spots, illuminating the face of a crumbling, rusted facade. I barely recognized as a building. Something sprawled across the path before a sagging doorframe in a pool of blood, surrounded by bits of jagged metal and rocks. It squirmed and moaned, legs beating the dirt in spasms, bleeding quietly, helplessly. Shit. I stomped through the brush, keeping my rifle close. I could already tell she was beyond salvation, but I wanted a closer look regardless, to see what kind of animal could have done so much damage. I slowed, stomach churning. Finding her belly ripped open, organs stretched the length of the clearing, I found another set of tracks leading into the dilapidated building stained with her coagulated blood and tissue. By the looks of them, the predator was massive. The imprints were heavy, dug deep into the soil. But they were in pairs of two, not pairs of four. I knelt beside the calf, squinting. The other prints were human. Something squelched inside the building. I jerked my head up, staring into the darkness, heart pounding in my throat. My eyes finally adjusted to find a shadow lurking in the doorway, hunched over the trail of decimated organs. It slurped and grunted, only stopping when it finally seemed to notice I was there. A sickening gurgle emanated from the shadow. A slow, wet suction of breath rattling deep from the chest. A chuckle. I shot to my feet, shakily raising the rifle toward the door. Show yourself, now! The chuckling continued. The shadow rose, filling the entirety of the doorframe. With a vicious pull, the calf's entrails were ripped free, slithering away into the darkness toward the hulking shape. Blood splattered my coveralls. The calf gave a raspy scream, 
flailing one last time before falling still. Then more slurping took up from the building. Fear iced my blood, driving me back through the brush toward the trail. The flashlight crunched beneath my boot, casting me in complete darkness with whatever, whoever, mutilated my calf. Somehow I lost my rifle along the way, striking every tree and getting stung by every insect in my blind flight out of the woods. The soothing lights of my farmhouse appeared between the trunks, and I barreled for it as fast as I could. I leapt over the perimeter fence and in through the back door before the adrenaline wore off and collapsed me onto the kitchen counter. I don't know how long I spent catching my breath before I called the sheriff, but it seemed like hours. When they finally arrived, they scoured the woods with bloodhounds and flashlights. I directed them to the drag marks and bloodstains, but refused to follow. I didn't want to relive terror like that so soon after. Eventually, the police returned, somehow empty-handed, only finding evidence of the blood and tissue. You sure of what you saw? Damn sure, I bit my thumbnail. It was a man, I'm telling you. We didn't find nothing but blood and footprints. The sheriff hooked his thumbs in his belt. If you say it was a man, then that man's got to be stronger than an ox. Strong enough to drag a calf through the woods and away again after you startled him. Did you get a good look at him? No, he never came out of that building. But he chuckled at me. Slurped my cow's guts at me. I shook my head. Who the hell does those kinds of things? The sheriff's face went sour. If he's feral, God only knows. After a long moment, he clicked his tongue and nodded. Well, I suggest you repair that fence and maybe get a guard dog. We've had some other reports of animals gone missing lately around these parts. We'll keep an eye out a little longer. You keep yourself safe, you hear? I sat up the rest of the night in my kitchen with every light on, facing the window that led toward the woods, scanning each shadow, scrutinizing every sound, praying for anything to remove that awful sound from my head. The slurping and the chuckling and bloody soil squenching between bare toes, praying that I would never witness something so heinous again. But if that man was feral, God only knows. That was T.L. Beading's Feral, as read by yours truly. As usual, if you'd like more info on me, check out the About section of TalesToTerrify.com. 
and always feel free to reach out to say hi. Well, children of the night, the hour is late, and we've run out of tales to tell. For now. Tales to Terrify is made possible by the tremendous generosity of our supporters on Patreon and PayPal. Incredible fans like Amanda Carrillo, Amanda Gottfried, Kathy Robinson, Lessel Baxter, Orion D. Higra, and Paul Belcher, whose generous support helps keep the lights on and flickering ominously. Not a supporter already? Head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify, where you'll find all kinds of perks like ad-free episodes, bonus content, and one-of-a-kind collectibles and merch packs. Every dollar goes back into this show to make it as horrific as possible, and we appreciate it so much. Want another way to support the show that doesn't cost a cent? Head over to Stitcher, Podchaser, or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You'll not only put an unnaturally wide smile on our faces, but help new listeners discover our terrifying tales, too. Why not share your love of the show out in the world with some Tales to Terrify merch? TalesToTerrify.com slash merch will take you to our Public store, where we've got a great collection of creepy custom and curated designs that's always growing. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Meredith Morgenstern, Andrew Gibson, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as we feed the darkness within with more Tales to Terrify. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 